Hello, Belinda. Hi, Omar. What is this week's gratitude blooming theme? It's card number four, the Forsythia, representing wholeness. Yeah, we uh, had such a wonderful conversation with the guests this week, Stephanie Irvin, around wholeness. And really, I love when folks dive into the art and really find kind of connection to a theme, not just through the words, but sort of the interpretation and just... When she talked about alignment, I was like, oh, so beautiful. So today, as we uh, open the conversation around this theme, get to see Arlene's new interpretation of the art. I'm also excited for uh, the conversation that we had with Stephanie. Yeah. And for you listeners out there, we're excited for you to embark on this journey of collective acceleration with us each week uncovering a theme for the from the gratitude blooming card deck and we love to start with Arlene as our inspirational guide for how do we look to nature for messages and clues about navigating different aspects of this journey of life and uh, for Scythia I just love this flower uh, when it blooms in the springtime because it's just so vibrant and yellow and and abundant all a- along the streets of Mount Shasta. And we also have a beautiful forsythia f- plant on our land, still a small shrub growing uh, steadily every year, every season. Um, so I'm curious, as we take our listeners into this journey with Forsythia representing wholeness, what what comes up for each of you um, looking at this flower and this theme? Well, I'd like to say that this um, Forsythia, Forsythia was um, drawn from one that was growing on your property, Belinda. So this is one of the, um, I don't know how many of the drawings in the deck are um, from your property um, in Mount Shasta, but I know that this one for sure. And I don't know if you remember from the season one stories um, that my uh, my way of showing wholeness was I drew the forsythia with my dominant right hand. And uh, in honor of the word wholeness, I um, wrote the word with my left hand. I love that yin and yang sort of bringing it all together uh you know and i think it was really after sifu paul joined us um on the from genes to memes episode where you know that idea of wholeness just imagining the planet and in any given moment there's fall and summer and winter and spring somewhere uh, happening all at once somewhere on the globe. And so just, I love, Eileen, that you embodied that just within yourself. You're like, hey, I'm going to take my dominant hand and my less dominant hand and really sort of play with what each one expresses. And that's what's kind of cool. I guess as long as it's expressing, it's not about good or bad. It's just this is what it's expressing. And I just love the prompt for this card. I, I feel like this is one that's a little bit on the edgy side. I remember when we were writing these prompts and it's like, how do you express something as 
big as wholeness. And, and here's where we landed with that prompt. Wholeness requires integrating different, sometimes contradictory sides of ourselves. What does wholeness feel like to you? And I definitely am feeling that uh, edginess or that paradox of wholeness these days. You know, even in a given day, I can feel joy and and then swing to, you know, a sense of, you know, worry or fear, just even within a given moment. And uh, it's all just how to be with those emotions and, and find alignment for the next moment, almost. Yeah, I like to say that my two alter egos, one is a monk sitting on a mountain and the other is a farmer in the valley. And yet I somehow got stuck in the city. Like <laughs> that sort of like, that's how I've integrated those two sort of alter egos is that I, I definitely appreciate my mindful practices, but I also just, I love my hikes and being in nature and sort of, you know, and I feel like if I had gotten the opportunity to have one of those extremes, it would have been, I don't know, there's a certain amount of, in my imagination, a delight around that either just deep toiling with the hands or just deep contemplation on a mountain. And yet it's really been about how to be of service in a city and, and with people that I found in my life. I love that metaphor, Omar. And it's, it's so beautiful how we can invite in all these different hats. You know, when, when you come to the land in Mount Shasta, I feel the farmer in you emerging and, you know, walking with your feet bare on the earth. And I always thought that I was more of a urban person, but I am realizing that at this stage of my life, I'm actually more of that uh, farmer, so, so to speak. <laughs> but you're sort of, you're kind of like partway up a mountain. So you, you've kind of been able to figure out how to bring the farmer <laughs> up to the mountain. <laughs> Arlene, what came up for you as you were remixing this concept of wholeness and thinking about the prompt and the plant? I'm so curious what the story is for you in this time around wholeness. Yeah, I think this time I'll just jump right into the story. So here it is for this week. In this week's art, I chose to pair a half circle to the theme of wholeness and the color yellow to match the brightness of the forsythia flower. I think our minds tend to think of wholeness as a big, bright circle full of light. But in that dark, mysterious part of ourselves, where our true knowing resides, I think we really know that wholeness is not just about the light, but that it requires integrating the brightness of our light with the shadows of our lives, without judgment of either. In many ways, I think we know that in some way, the shadows are often the source of our brightest illumination. It makes me think of this wonderful essay called In Praise of Shadows by Junichiro Tanizaki that contains the famous line, Were it not for shadows, there would be no beauty. As one example, I just got back from a healing workshop 
where one of the sessions covered was on grief and how holding on to grief or not knowing how to let it move and to eventually let it go can prevent us from living the full potential of our lives. The shadow of grief can destroy us and it can also illuminate us. For me, part of wholeness is learning how to reconcile that we both live in different world that requires us to suffer at times and a world that is infinitely loving. And I think that is where our choice to honor our own wholeness can make all the difference because our wholeness will never destroy us. When we don't integrate the shadows of life with the brighter parts and colors of ourselves, everything remains black or white, and we can forget how beautiful the grays can be, or how much more beautiful the yellows are next to the grays. I love how you bring the heat each week uh, recently with poetry and just the embracing of visual art, poetry, and the written word, and just then our opportunity to to give voice to that. And that, you know, it's in some ways has been a, a theme of the Gratitude Blooming con- uh, podcast is just this idea of listening for that call of the wild. And, you know, when we listen, we're really then connecting to, to nature uh, in a deeper way. I love these invitations every week to explore the softness of our underbellies and also the edges of of what's challenging. And I love this line, Arlene, our wholeness will never destroy us. And uh, yeah, the gray is more beautiful uh, when we have that contrast with the yellows and all the other colors of the spectrum. Hey, Belinda, I love that we're growing more gratitude in the world. And part of the way that we're doing that is collaborating with other podcasts, including Better Place Project. Uh, I was recently a host on the show uh, talking about gratitude with Steve Norris. He and I got to talking about how do we just help promote and share what we want to see in the world. So yeah, we invite you to check out Better Place Project, where each week, They shine a light on amazing humans doing extraordinary things who share their knowledge with us on how we can be living healthier, happier, and more purposeful lives, which is in such alignment with this whole podcast of collective acceleration through gratitude, nature, and art. So to add a little more joy and inspiration to your day, head over and subscribe to Better Place Project wherever you get your podcasts. And with that, I'm really excited to introduce uh, our guest for this week who is you know sharing her practice around wholeness her exploration of wholeness uh, Stephanie Irvin is a classroom teacher uh, who emerged um, out of the classroom to really support teachers and school district leaders in the urban education system in the Bay Area and that's how I met her was, uh, in my former life working in the education world, we together hosted a lot of professional development and 
and really holding this inquiry of what do we need to learn and grow and and to ultimately transform to uh, share our gifts in the world. And I love that Stephanie invites us to explore wholeness with this idea of, you know, we are more than what uh, our jobs say we are. And there are so many different facets to the hats that we wear um, for our identities and also for how we can look at our life journey moment to moment. So we're going to start by introducing Stephanie with her reflection on the Forsythia and this theme of wholeness. And as you listen to her story, I invite you to think about uh, what this uh, artwork means to you as you look at it from Arlene's perspective or just this theme of wholeness. What does that feel like to you? And if you can't see the art on your phone on the podcast, we definitely invite you to go to the gratitudeblooming.com forward slash podcast because we display all of uh, the art there. The word that jumped out at me was alignment. When I look at the stem of this plant and all of the petals and dimensions of this plant to those, this very clear alignment and when I think of wholeness in general I think of integration and oneness all of it within an alignment to something greater and something higher than ourselves that's it's a integration and combination of of many things which I think wholeness can also represent that complexity of many things coming together to create a multifaceted kind of oneness. So, yeah, I think it feels like, again, security and solidness, being solid. Certainty, there's like a a level of, of certainty and knowing that everything is okay, that all of these things are welcomed, all of these parts of me, you know, when I think of myself, just like I'm more than just one, one thing, one title, one way of being. And even that changes day to day, moment by moment, and is so much in connection I'm finding with the natural rhythm of of nature itself. And so today noticing drastic change in the weather, I was able to just be with it. Whereas in the past, there would be so much judgment about, oh, why do I feel so sluggish or judgment about not having enough energy? And today, I mean, I'm hesitant to say it's the first time ever, but maybe there was an awareness of it like a deep awareness of like, oh, I'm holding space for myself in in harmony with the greater universe. And it felt, it just felt so comforting and so beautiful and so calm. I love that after our interview with her, she sent us the song Be Okay by the musician Samo, Samohut. Uh, S-A-M-O-H-T and you know just 
it's okay to be okay. Right. And that that's that comfort um, to be in that um, place. You just felt the gentleness uh, and grace uh, when she gave herself that permission. Really struck me how alignment was the first word that jumped out too. And the interpretation of the forsythia in Arlene's art is not the whole bush with all of the stems represented, but just one. And that is almost like the the through line to wholeness. And that's probably some, something that I feel like is over time, you know, I've learned what does alignment mean? You know, what is a yes and what is a no in my body? I think I've relied so much on my head to be the guide, the facts, the logic, the data. What does society say is yes, you know? And it's taken me four decades to, you know, understand, well, my body has a lot of wisdom. And sometimes when it should be a yes and I feel this knot in my belly, it's probably a no. Um, So I've been really appreciating how the body is this compass for wayfinding, especially during these times when there's so much unexpected change. And I would never have trusted that, um, you know, in my 20s. And I was just really thinking about success from a very external way. And now it's this cultivation of trust. Uh, Omar and Arlene, I'm curious for you, what, what does alignment mean to you and how how do you gauge alignment in your own wayfinding? Well, I love that Stephanie brought up the that her reaction to the art was the sense of alignment because I, I learned so much by listening to um, you and our guests talk about the art because I hadn't seen that before. So for me, it's like a revelation, like maybe that was always there, that alignment. And maybe that's the way alignment is, is it's there. You just sometimes uh, just need to build awareness about it. Yeah. Her interpretation of um, the art of, and then you go all of a sudden you can see the forsythia as this like strand and it just, all of a sudden it feels um, that you can have both continuity and then these branches, right? Each leaf is sort of an opportunity to branch. Um, but then you come back. It reminds me of this William Stafford poem, The Way It Is. And it it goes, there's a thread you follow. It goes among things that change, but it doesn't change. People wonder about what you are pursuing. You have to explain about the thread, but it is hard for others to see. While you hold it, you can't get lost. Tragedies happen. People get hurt or die, and you suffer and get old. Nothing you do can stop times unfolding. You don't ever let go of the thread. And for me, like, one thread in my life has just been, I feel like I've been a student of social change. Like, how do you, how does it happen? How do I create it? How do I nudge it? And, you know, if you look on my career on paper, it's, I was in finance, I was in real estate, I led a nonprofit, you know, and it's just, we can feel, I think, launched a gratitude app, you know, like, it's just, 
it can feel very disjointed in some ways. But for me, it's just like, no, it's how do I, how do I inspire the change that I want to see in the world? And I've been very non-attached to which form it takes. So if it's finance or the built environment or habit making and practice of gratitude, it's like, okay, well, let's just try all of these things. And, you know, and I think for me, like continuing to explore that space. Um, and, you know, I think particularly now with sort of Web3 and the blockchain technology, I'm like, ooh, I have new tools that I get to play with and, and really sort of integrate these things in new ways. I love how life experiences can become these portals into different ways of seeing ourselves, you know, and like you don't know some facets of yourself until you open that door and you try something new and you start seeing, oh, wow, I can I can I can look at the world in this this way. It's not just one way. It's this mosaic that's or tapestry that's being woven. So we're going to get a chance to hear Stephanie kind of introduce how her life has unfolded on this path of, of wholeness. And that's what I love about this podcast is these really real, raw, vulnerable, unfiltered stories of, of the struggle and, and also the, the illumination that comes from that. So this journey of extremely hard internal critic and judgment to more openness to accepting all aspects of who I am and all versions. I am so different from who I was as a child and as a teenager and as a young adult and as a parent, who I am now as a grandmother, and yet I'm also the same. So it's this both and of I'm different and I'm the same. And so when I think about also alignment or I see this, this card, I see the left side and the right side and the top and the bottom. And so I, I see this, this through line, but also these, uh, just paths that pivot off and then return. And that too has been maybe what my journey has been like of, of trying many things, learning many things, having many relationships and friendships and different aspects of my career, and then always coming back to the center. And you asked about this connection to a higher power. I think even as a child, there was always a very strong spiritual awareness growing inside of me and over the years I I feel that it's only gotten stronger and stronger and the voice that spiritual voice has also gotten stronger and it's giving me a great deal of comfort in the last year because if if I can hold that space of believing that I am connected to something larger than myself, something higher than myself, something more vast than I could ever imagine, then it also simultaneously reminds me of, of, of how insignificant or how small I am. And that, for me, relieves a certain amount of pressure because some of that 
harshness of myself is in believing that I have to be all things to all people or I have to fix things or solve things or care for people who need me. And I've held a great amount of of um, pressure around that. And so in the last year or so, that pressure is drastically decreasing because now I recognize that I don't have to be all things to all people, solve all problems, fix anything. But it's more important for me to just be, really be myself. So I think that also connects to wholeness because I feel the most whole when I am being the most authentically grounded in who I am, which is not separate from nature and not separate from a higher power. It's all of that, like simultaneously existing at one time. I appreciate the relieving of having to be all things to all people and not having to fix everything. And it, in some ways, you know, letting nature unfold, it reminds me of the Lao Tzu uh, quote, nature does not hurry yet everything is accomplished. You know, and so like sometimes we feel like, oh, I got to fix this. I got to do this now. And if it doesn't happen now, it's never going to happen. And, you know, and and sometimes it's like, mm, it's happening. We're not always just sort of attuned to sort of the resolution and maybe, you know, that that tendency, the things do want to become whole, right? And so there is, I think, a movement towards that. And so how do we, we, and it always doesn't, it doesn't always unfold in the ways that we expect. I got that uh, poem in my tea recently, Omar, and it did come in a very uh, special time when I was feeling a particular way where it's like, you know, I have this uh, issue where I constantly feel behind, you know, like I'm, I, I, there's always this list of things that didn't get done. And and so in that moment, I was looking at this tea and reading its message. And I was like, Oh, yeah, this is a surrender time. Why am why do I think it things are have to be on my own timeline. And it's interesting to look outside in nature and see things changing all around. And (laughs) I'm not even involved, you know, it's like, yeah, good one. Uh, in the interview uh, conversation, well, not interview, it's actually the conversation I'd, Yeah, that I'd like to highlight. Um, Omar, you asked this beautiful question of Stephanie, which was, how did you get this um, name of your business, like Feathership? Yes, this is Stephanie's coaching and uh, consultancy company. And, you know, I had been in her life when she was developing this business and had left, you know, the nonprofit job that we were both a part of. And and I don't think I've ever heard her express it in this particular way. And so it was beautiful to even uncover this other layer of someone that, you know, you've known for a long time, uh, personally and professionally. So I love to share this uh, story with you of how, you know, who she is and how her path has unfolded, has led to this beautiful um, description of what is feathership. So there's the 
evolution of my work as well as the naming of my business. When I look back on the way that I taught, there was always a balance of content and personalization. And in that personalization of young people and also adults, there was also this constant knowing that we are more than just the jobs that we show up to do. We are more than just a first grader or second grader coming to school to read and learn mathematics. We're a very multifaceted human being. And so I have always balanced the personal, the professional, and the spiritual, whether I had a framework or not. That has always been constant. And in that, what evolved was a clear passion and purpose for leadership development. And then another iteration was leadership development for women women of color in particular. And in that lies the play on words with the name that I I don't want to just do strictly professional executive leadership development. And so the feather represents the layers as well as the lightness and the lightness in the sense of being human and being heart-centered as well as understanding that in this lightness, in this like releasing of rigid expectations and and rigid labels, there comes liberation. There comes a freedom to then choose to either show up fully or not. And so Feathership represents a new way of thinking about leadership development that is inclusive of emotional intelligence as well as spiritual intelligence and to ultimately bring that fullness into all aspects of our life so that there is no longer this distinction between this is who I am at work and this is who I am at home and then maybe this is how I code switch in this particular environment. My true desire for myself and for anyone that I work up is that you can be who you are at all times and that it becomes very clear to anyone who engages with you what your values are, what you stand for, and that you can also bring that vulnerability into all facets of your life, including work. I would love for there to be like a a more common acceptance of feelings and emotions in the workplace. And I think COVID really tore the Band-Aid off of this um, expectation that we're not to do that. And it, and it has caused this ripple effect of, of burnout and frustration, people quitting and, and leaving the profession or finding other places where they can show up fully. So I love this reinterpretation of leadership as feathership, something that can be both light and powerful. And it reminds me of, in many ways, when we first started this podcast, I don't know if you remember this, Belinda, but we were deep into the throes of murmuration as a metaphor. And murmuration is the sort of spontaneous movement of particularly starling birds, but you know, many birds can sort of move in coordination. And really, to me at least, 
it was this example of decentralized movement and really about what does right relationship look like? Right relationship is if the birds are too close, they get into each other's way. But if they're too far, then they become disconnected and they lose sort of um, the safety, um, which is partly why they move in that way. And so then it's like, right, relationship is about proximity. Like, how do I be in right distance and connected to other people? And, and feathership then is, is also brings it to your within yourself. What does that mean to have the right proximity of your heart, your mind, your instinct, your intuition, you know, all of these gifts that we've been given, how do they move in some murmuration, right? That we're not disconnected, you know, between our thoughts and our feelings and our instincts and, and things that we, you know, don't always have wonderful names for. Yeah. Doing that internal dance within ourselves is a, it's not easy. And then, you know, then the collective as a whole. And I, I appreciate how she really talks about vulnerability and, and emotions and how we aren't separate. Yet there is a way to hold space for that, to create safety and appropriateness for, for any context. And I really resonate with this idea of freedom being able to choose to show up fully because I think in many ways, maybe my through line in my life has been uh, choosing my professional uh, path based on that. I think I ended up creating my own worlds, my own businesses with Gratitude Blooming and our retreat center, partly because I, I started to really become tormented by that division of code switching, you know, wanting to be my full self, but not feeling safe to do that in other institutional spaces, not feeling like it was appropriate. And, um, you know, sometimes you, you go down this path of alignment and you realize, wow, I'm not meant to be, uh, here anymore. I need to go somewhere else. And that can be painful initially, but then also really liberating. Uh, so I love that metaphor of flight and lightness, even in the challenge. It gives a totally different interpretation of the, you know, the amygdala reptile part of our brain. that's like fight, flight, or freeze, right? Like flight can be okay. You know, that sometimes maybe we do need, but we, we don't necessarily need to fly away, but like, how do we actually, really fly with like joy and grace, you know, and then all of a sudden it's, we, it's actually giving us an opportunity to, to move into something as opposed to feeling like it's an escape. Yeah. Knowing what the conditions are, right. To be able to uh, spread your wings out, I, I think, and having a choice around those conditions, I feel like, um, it's easy or choice how you respond to those conditions. Both, right? Yeah, like it's interesting. I'm, you know, the land. I'm noticing that some of the birds that are normally hanging out in the summertime, they're already choosing to leave because they're like, "Oh, it's getting a little too chilly over here. Not the right conditions for us." But then I'm sure in that migration, they're having to face all kinds of, you know, uh, needs to adapt to what's happening in the air. Yeah, just a. Uh, 
this the art of uh, navigation. So in this part of the conversation, Stephanie unpacks, you know, what, what does it look like to uh, talk about wholeness in a really specific way of navigating, an, you know, certain challenges and identity and, uh, and life experience? And, um, and how does that affect her personal relationships, specifically with her father? So we're going to hear her really unpack that more as a biracial woman and and how she's found wholeness in, in her relationships. As a biracial woman, the hardest part has also been accepting my whiteness and, and that part of me that, that feels so um, foreign, not growing up with my father, my biological father, who is Scotch Irish and, and not having a relationship with him or any of my family that is Scotch Irish. There was this part of me that felt very foreign, but also a lot of um, anger, resentment and, and dismissing. And to heal, I had to also accept that part of myself and, and, you know, to not have a true authentic relationship with your parents, I think can be challenging and hard with developing your own identity. And it has evolved into now this like, oh my God, I'm getting emotional again. Um, as I learn to be more loving and accepting myself I have learned to now be more loving and accepting of all of the other people in my life including the people who hurt me and I'm very grateful that the last couple of years when I when I did gain the courage to reach out to my father to say some things to him that I needed to say I'm very grateful that he just held the space there were no excuses. There was no defensiveness. So even though he wasn't in my life all of these years, 40 years, I guess, to be exact, that one moment of just allowing me to speak my truth was so healing, it was so healing. And I think it goes back to the work that I do with clients that I serve, that allowing and creating that space for people to just show up and to say what they need to say, that in and of itself, I think, can be so healing. Well, I definitely resonate with her as being biracial with a white father who is absent more than he was present and just that there's a paradox one just even being biracial and you're just like i used to say like i'm not half white half chinese i'm you know 200 percent right like that's how big i am you know i'm not 50 50 i'm 200 and you know it just 
you know, because we have these words that just divide us literally, right? Like, oh, you're half this. I'm not half anything, you know, like I am all me. And, you know, and to really learn to embrace that is it's hard, you know, because there aren't, it is not in the vernacular, right? And, you know, as a kid, I remember, you know, the boxes check your ethnicity and I always like would check other and I was like, Ugh, you know, I have to be other, you know, and it just was so dismissive and isolating, you know, and I think about your artwork, Arlene, and this bright yellow uh, sun, you know, type object, and then the white space. And that's wholeness is that the absence of something is still part of our lives. And so even if we've had people in our lives who have been absent, they're still part of our lives, you know, and, and so how do you embrace all of that? You know, and, and it's one of those things where you can swing, that pendulum can swing so far in any one direction where you only focus on what is not there. And then you miss the bright sun, you know, and for me, like my mom was there for me, you know, in a very powerful way. And so, you know, you can't, like how to find that balance in that wholeness and that it's a movement and it's, you know, an an inconsistency is part of that wholeness, right? Like that is the challenge is inconsistent. Like we are humans are so inconsistent, you know, and that's okay. You know, if we can come at it with a certain lightness, like that feathership uh, that Stephanie talked about. We are not broken. This is all this journey to wholeness. Thank you, Omar, for sharing your personal experience around that, too. It's it's been beautiful to witness your process of healing around it throughout this. These last two seasons of the podcast. And at the end of the day, there is so much around how do we love ourselves despite it all, everything that's going on. I'm struck by that. Um, You know, how can I love my father who hurt me if I can't love myself first? And it's just going to become more and more the new normal. You know, I think of my daughters and, you know, they have... uh, Chinese, Indonesian, black, white, Creole. They're literally just a tapestry. And, you know, and just giving them the space to be their full identity uh, is just so important. They're the future. Arlene, you're going to say something. Waiting for it. Oh, all I was um, gonna, I was gonna respond to what Omar shared about this, what I'm learning about Omar sharing his story is what I'm learning, and it's strange to learn this through art, but what I'm learning from the geometric shapes, in part is the, the negative space is really what holds the thing that we're looking at. And so it's so profound to experience it in art and then see that you know this is a lesson for us in life that negative space isn't empty you know it's almost like the negative space is holding 
the space. That's the Miles Davis. Music is the silence between the notes. He didn't say music is the notes. Music is the silence between the notes because they are what actually hold the space or the sound. So as we integrate this journey of wholeness today, I'm going to invite Stephanie to share just a practice that has really um, helped her to navigate and wayfind her way into alignment. And so just listen to her story and see what, what is it that is speaking to you around your own journey of alignment and wholeness. I'm 47 years old. I consider myself not super young, but not also not super old. I, I, I see myself as, as really at the middle of my journey, at my path, with a long way to go. And for anyone who is, is maybe wanting to explore fully accepting themselves or to do this work, I would say there is no, there is no roadmap. I, I wish I could say, okay, here, just do this, this, and this. Instead, I think what has helped me and I offer this to anyone is, is to get to a place where you can calm your mind just enough to hear that spiritual voice inside of you. Start to see if you can hear that inner voice. Create conditions where that voice can can speak to you. So whether it's being in nature or meditation or going to bed a little bit earlier, just so that you can lay there, silence your your mind chatter, maybe a long bath, sitting in silence, eating your food a little slower. All of those things I, I think can help. So as you listen to Stephanie's example of calming the mind to hear that inner voice that we all have inside of us, contemplate where and when is the best time for you to get into that stillness, that quiet and that calm. And throughout the week, Just carve out that time for yourself, whether it's just one minute or five minutes or 15. Just allow yourself to slow down in that moment. Get quiet. Grow your awareness of what that voice is trying to tell you in that moment especially in times when you feel stressed or worried. Come back into your alignment just by slowing down, counteracting that energy with some calm. And see what you hear from within you. 
as you journey and navigate your own path to wholeness. It's beautiful to get to practice with you, Belinda and Arlene, each week, these various themes. And I certainly hope that those who are listening are just really getting an opportunity to explore how these practices can show up in their lives. Wishing you all well. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.